This week, we talk all about the PlayStation's state of play, the big rumor surrounding the Nintendo Switch 2, the possibility of Xbox going all digital soon, and more. All of this tonight, but first, on to that beautiful Bean intro. Welcome to the place where PC and console gaming talk combine. This is the Orange Box Podcast, episode 17. I am your host, the man who has wielded a guitar as his weapon of choice for nearly 21 years, Nathan, also known as the Frozen Gamer 87. And joining me as always, the man whose jiggle physics were removed by hard work and not localization, Justin, better known as I am Zaracon. How you doing today, Justin? Okay, today today is uh today's been a good uh, a, a good day to actually relax. I've been I had today off, uh, one of my floating days from working over nice. Christmas uh, time, so that was good. Good time to relax because the, re- the previous part of the week has just been crazy with some mm-hmm. family stuff. So mm-hmm. it, today was a a better day to say the least. Gotcha. Is it anything like really serious or just? Kinda, yeah, kinda, kinda serious st- uh, stuff that um, we're still sort of just like working through and stuff, and just trying to see where we go from here. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, let me know if there's anything I can be praying about, and I'll be sure to do that for you. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, as far as my week goes, it's been pretty busy, but thankfully pretty productive as well um i was able to get uh not only some stuff recorded for my game channel but also some stuff recorded and put together for my cooking channel so i've see here i've put together three more videos um we we got the pizza dough recipe recorded last friday um and i got the grilled chicken, avocado oil mayonnaise, and uh, pizza dough recipes all edited. So um, one of those already went up the mail one I put up uh, today just because since it's not like a regular like full meal recipe, I just figured just as a side thing, put that in the middle middle of the week and I'll do that anytime I have something that's more of a not a, not a full meal. Um, so that went up today, and then Friday, or not, I'm sorry, not Friday, Monday, I'll have the grilled chicken recipe go up, and then next Wednesday, I'll have the pizza dough recipe go up, and then the following Monday, I will have uh, my first actual, like, pizza recipe go up, so that's nice. that's <laughs> at least the goal with that, but yeah, so... It's been good. I mean, I'm glad I was actually able to get some stuff done because I think that it was wearing on me a little bit just the fact that I didn't feel like I'd been super productive and I was getting to a point where I was where I was at the end of the content that I already had scheduled to go up for for that channel. And of course, I also hadn't recorded anything for my game channel until uh, you know, like basically this past weekend. Or well, no, I guess it was last week. Last week I had recorded stuff, but then I recorded some additional stuff over the weekend. So 
Anyway, uh, speaking of games, what have you been playing this past week? Well, I've been playing some more Power World. Uh, I finally decided after a while to stop exploring before I just become massively overleveled. Uh, and I decided to finally go and take one of the first uh, boss tower fights. I was a bit surprised, A, to see that there was a time limit, uh, which wasn't actually a big deal because I actually finished the boss fight in three minutes, uh, partially I think because A, I had I was able to have two pals fighting at the same time, and B, nice. just because I was kind of, I guess, maybe higher level than what would have been recommended, mm -hmm. so I don't know, but um, managed to get through that. And I was also surprised, partially because just in the trailer, the uh, pal that the boss uses, just because I see literally on the uh, artwork, you see that pal with the Gatling gun. I was thinking, oh man, I'm going to be fine. This thing is going to whip out that Gatling gun as a phase two thing. and I'm about to worry about that. But actually, no, it didn't. So that was that was fine. I, I, I didn't I, I, I did not want to deal with any sort of potential headache there. Yeah. Um, although one weird thing, though, is the fact that there was, I guess, sort of a mini arena mini boss fight with um this one sort of penguin emperor penguin mm. i kept losing to that thing repeatedly uh probably at least six times and even when i kept leveling up and coming back and trying out using different pals i still kept getting wiped out pretty early and eventually i don't know if it's the result of me just exploring more and leveling up i was able to finally beat him but before i could catch him my pal dealt the last hit before I could try to oh, throw no. a ball at it. <laughs> and the pal, I remember the pal, just comically, the timing was perfect, just threw the blow, and after it was destroyed, it just turned and looked at me like, so did I do a good job? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that, that's why I've been doing with that game. Um, nice. But I've also been, I went back and started doing some more Metroid Prime Remastered, uh, I, at first, I completely did not under remember what I was doing in that game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, after, I'm glad though that they have the thing where occasionally I'll pop up a reminder saying, hey, here's your need to go. And yeah. so I went, I got the ice beam, then I went and I got the gravity suit, which, mm -hmm. you know what, I, I even though uh, I like to focus more on the various suit just because of the design and the color scheme, mm -hmm. The gravity suit cannot be overlooked just because of how useful right. and practical that suit yeah. is. So I, 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 I enjoy that suit. But yeah, so I'm still going on with that. Did you ever do the, um, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the sequence break in dread of getting the gravity suit early? No, that one I haven't done yet. That's one it, that I've wanted to do. It's hard, but it's, it's worth it. Oh. Once you get the hang of it, the, like because I remember when when I uh, played Dread, I like I saw that there was a way to get that early, and I just desperately wanted to do it because, like <laughs> I, I I think I had, I had gotten the bombs early so that I could go against Crade uh, with the bombs and just yeah. you know, just get so so that, so that I just go in his stomach and then set bombs and it kills him instantly. <laughs> it was fantastic, but um, I wanted to get the gravity suit so that I could get some other stuff early and um. The thing that initially I was having a hard time was doing the, um, I, I don't think it's called Shine Spark in Dread. Yeah, I can't remember if it's called mm. Shine Spark or something else. But, you know, where, where, where you can basically, like, 
you shoot across the screen and everything. Yeah. Um, like I kept I kept accidentally holding down on the stick when when I was trying to do it, and so then it would, like when I'd go through the floor panel that you have to go through in order to, to uh, speed across. Um, rather than like falling down and so that you can get down to or around to get to the gravity suit. Um, because I didn't realize that I just needed to stop and then press the two buttons. I think it was, it might've been like B and Y or something like that. I, I, like I said, I don't remember the exact button combinations. It's been a few years or a couple <laughs> years since I played it. But, um, once I figured that out, I was able to complete it and I actually did record it on my switch, but of course it's. 30 frames per second because on the switch you can only record at 30 for Ooh. through the through the internal recorder so it's like it's eh, a bummer but i do still have the recording maybe i'll <laughs> even uh maybe i'll even add it to the video here just because i do i am proud of the fact that i was able to complete that yeah that's something that i do want to go back and try and i, I do agree that i i also can't remember doing the shine spark in that game feels a little tricky um I remember trying to get some items just to complete 100%, and for some reason, the controls just trying to do it just seem a bit weird to me. I don't know if it's just because I'm used to doing it in other games, but probably. It just different. I mean, yeah, I I think the the main thing, I mean, like, there's there's a variety of different things that can get in the way, of course, but when you're trying to do it midair, the main thing is just don't touch the stick at all when you do mm -hmm. it, and that way you, you can actually activate it, because if, if you have the stick going any direction at all, it it doesn't work at least hmm. to activate it i mean obviously once you activate it then you you know point the stick in the right direction that you want to go but yeah anyway so yeah very cool yeah um looking at your gameplay for pal world i'm like oh that actually looks like fun particularly <laughs> the, the battling because it's like i wish yeah. pokemon was like that you know actually having it an action-based thing and i don't know it just feels way more epic than it does in the Pokemon games where, you know, it's all turn-based. And I never minded the turn-based thing when I was younger, but I don't know, it just, it breathes new life into it, in my opinion. So. Yeah, it, it definitely does, especially since you can swap out them in the midst of battle mm -hmm. easily and just, like, right. change if you say, oh, uh, my pal is low in health, let me bring it back. Or, if I want to strategically pull it out before it gets hit by this special attack, mm -hmm. pull it out, or if I yeah. want to just use something with a different ability, like, it, it's pretty cool yeah that's very cool well um so i don't have gameplay recorded for a lot of the stuff i messed with this week mostly just because most of the games i didn't play enough to where i really uh felt the need to record them but uh i did play a, a decent chunk of sea of stars and um so I I I mean I'm not going to talk anything about the story or anything like that because I don't want to spoil anything for someone who hasn't played it yet. But I played quite a I played probably like three four hours something like that on Saturday and throughout the time that I was playing it I I'd just been kind of itching especially after you know we talked about Elden Ring DLC previously to give Dark Souls Remastered another shot. So I decided to jump back into that, and um, for one, I was just I was just having a hard time. Um, so I was the area that I was in because you know I definitely am, have not been doing things in the correct order, even though my character is like level fifty. Um, I was in the Valley of the Drakes, 
and I don't know if you remember that, just, you know, a bunch of dragons that spew out thunder oh, yeah. stuff. Um, and I decided to leave that area because just I, I was struggling to consistently be able to kill them. Like, I might be able to kill one without too much trouble, even if it's just slowly picking away at it with arrows from a distance. Um, but then I would end up, you know, there was like a section where there's like four of them all in the same area and you know, I kill one and you know maybe get the, the thousand souls from it and then I you know try to kill another and, and die and then just rinse and repeat over and over and it was getting very annoying um, so I decided to you know go check out other areas and um, I was talking with a friend of mine who's also really into Dark Souls and has played through the games a bunch of times and was asking him about whether whether he thought that maybe my issue could be something to do with like my build um because of course i had no idea what i was doing when i started and the game doesn't tell you anything so um you know he took a look at my build and he said that yeah definitely the build is not a very good build uh because i you know leveled up stats that are uh worthless stats basically in some cases like resistance which he says is basically a meme stat in at least in the first dark souls game um, but he, in, in looking over my, my game, you know, he, he told me that and was mentioning that, you know, at the beginning of the game, there's two weapons in the graveyard that's close to the main area, to the starting area. And I had never been to the graveyard. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how many hours I had in, but I had, I was, my character's level 50, so... That tells you that I probably had a pretty decent number of hours. So I went to the graveyard and I, I grabbed the two weapons he talked about. Neither one of them were really working for my build because one of them is uh, some kind of spear, which the spear I just, I, I well, I definitely don't have enough like dexterity and stuff to really be able to handle it properly. It's just a little, like I can swing it technically fast, but I don't know. Anyway, my, my build is just not designed for that. And then the other one was uh, a sword called Einhander, which which requires a lot of strength and and or stamina. And I just I wasn't like I could only wield it two handed because I just I wasn't strong enough. And so I'm kind of I just decided okay, well I'm just gonna stick with the weapons I already have because I already have like um. So a couple weapons with the holy element added to them. Um, you know, the uh, gargoyle, the bell gargoyle axe, tail axe, and then uh, a gladius, or I think it's called gladius. Anyway, it's just, you know, like a, a long, a two-handed long sword. Um, and those ones, you know, I've been able to handle without too much trouble throughout a lot of the game. And I went further, ended up down in the catacombs, which I had never been to, of course, because I'd never been through the graveyard. And um, went through there for a bit, eventually made it to the boss of the catacombs, which is like <laughs> in, in like an underground area with like a pool of water and stuff, and it like splits into multiple enemies and stuff. You probably know what I'm talking about, but I don't remember the name of the boss. Yeah. Um, um, well, actually, let me make sure I'm not confusing myself is it the uh the giant skeleton guy or are you talking about no. the um oh the uh sort of like the, the three-faced puppet guy mm -hmm. okay yeah. yeah yeah pinwheel yeah pinwheel He's, that's uh, one yeah. yeah yeah 
that was i mean i didn't have any problems with it at all like, yeah I, yeah I, he, he's he's considered a, a mean boss right i mean it was a... it was it was very easy but the frustrating thing is so i beat him first try no problems um i was probably over leveled for him anyway i would assume but it might just be that he's an easy boss and that's all there is to it i'm coming out of the arena and I see a, a note on the ground, you know, shortcut ahead. And I see, okay, the shortcut takes me back to the pathway that I would have taken, that I took to get into the arena in the first place. But I wanted to go further and see if I could find a, um, what you call it? Not campfire. What are they called? Bonfire? Bonfire, yes. Thank you. Um, I was trying to see if I could find a bonfire. And I'm like going to this area that's like super dark. I can't see a thing. There's just, like a few little lights on the ground. And I didn't realize at the time that I had a lantern that would make it so I could actually see better going through there. And, you know, I'm carrying 18,000 souls, hoping that I can find a bonfire so I can use them to level up. And I fall to my death. And, of course, getting back there is not... I mean, it's doable, but it's not always the easiest thing, especially because of all the skeletons you got to deal with as you're going through, and they kind of gang up on you. And then they're like these... These uh, skeletons with, like... Uh, spiky wheels attached to them that roll and, and attack you when you try going through there. And there, there might be an easier way to get down there, but the only way I found is, like, if you're trying to jump across and you you basically... I mean, you, you jump across, like, this pathway up above so that you don't have to go around and face all the skeletons back here. And then you miss it, and there's, like, um, there's a ledge that's below that, and then you kind of just go down, and then you can go down to the pathway to get to where Pinwheel is. And, um, so I'm struggling to get back there. I die before I even get back to Pinwheel's location. So I, I've lost those 18,000 souls, which is, you know, it's the Dark Souls experience. And if I had realized, if I had thought about the fact that I might actually have one of the Homeward Bones available, I would have just used that so that I could go back, use my souls, and then proceed forward. Um, but I didn't. So I lost all those, and... That, among other just issues I had. I mean, like, w after that, I, I, I did end up going back to that area right before the... Whatever the name of the tomb is or whatever that's that's after Pinwheel's Arena. And, um, like, I'm starting to get through it, and then I run into one of those big, tall skeletons with a big sword. And, you know, if I could see, I, I could have taken him out, sure. You know, it might have taken a couple seconds because he hits hard. Um, but I still could have beaten him. But, of course, the problem is that in order to be able to see, I had to have the lantern out. And if I had the lantern out, I couldn't use a sword. And so then it's just like, or, well, I might have been able to use a sword. I can't remember. But either way, I was just having, I was having problems seeing. And so fast forward, um, there, there was also, I guess, just before that, I before I had actually gone down there and discovered Pinwheel, I had um, gone to the room that uh, one of the other rooms that had uh, the big like metal guy that doesn't have any legs but has like the big spear, and he kind of sits on the ground guarding a chest in the back of a hallway. Um, I, I have no idea what that thing is called. I've I've encountered one of those before in um, gosh, what is that? Um, that church area that's like right before uh, Anorlando? Or the um... No. Um 
it's one of the early level games. I mean, one of the early game levels. Um, oh, the yeah. chapel, something chapel, um, undead chapel. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Anyway, so so like I, I had encountered one of those guys before, and he's he's the kind of guy where if you're far away from if you try if if you're farther away from him, he'll shoot lightning at you. If you get close to him, he hits really really hard, and if he gets you with his spear, then he kills you very quickly. Um, but I had beaten one of those before when I was in the the chapel area, but it's a much bigger open area, so it's easier to get around him and stuff. This, of course, he's like in this narrow hallway, and so it's very difficult to get past him. And even when I could like maybe get a few hits on him, you know, he'll he'll like jump around and and stuff and slam down, and it's just, I don't know his patterns well enough to avoid his attacks. So eventually, I just gave up on even trying to take this guy out, and that's when I moved on and was able to find Pinwheel and so on and so forth. But um, anyway. All of that being said, I basically just decided that I was... I, I just... I didn't feel like I was enjoying myself playing Dark Souls. Because the problem is that I, I, I just went into it with the wrong mindset, you know? Because I need to remember that the fo my focus shouldn't be trying to get souls to level up so that I can get stronger. Because that's not the best mentality to have. Because then if you're dying constantly then you're just going to get frustrated at not being able to progress any farther and instead focus on trying to get better, trying to learn patterns and so on and so forth. And then just being able to laugh it off when you die in pathetic, hilarious ways, like falling off the edge after getting 18,000 souls. Um, and so I just was kind of in this gaming funk. Like I, I was having a hard time really enjoying anything. Sea of Stars was kind of... I just kind of fell off a bit. Um, more just because of the fact that it's a game that I can't really play while like we have a TV show on in the background. Because I want to be able to focus on it. But then also because... As much as I like it, I still feel like the combat just isn't as good as Chrono Trigger. And... It's like Chrono Trigger has such satisfying combat the entire time. And yes, it's definitely an easier game than Sea of Stars. But I don't know. I just don't like it quite as much. And I was hoping that it would that if the if the combat felt good enough, then it would be fine. It just doesn't it's not quite what I want it to be. So that coupled with I think probably just me feeling a little like I needed to get some stuff done and I don't know, just was was having a hard time getting into Dark Souls and everything else. I fiddled with several games. Um, spent a little bit of time trying to play some... Uh, should just look at my list here. Um, I, I tried a little bit of Guacamelee um, on the Switch because I've, I've, I've beaten that game several times, but I haven't beaten it on Switch. And I still have, like, I think one or two of the orbs left to get. One of which... Um, is while you're in uh, the equivalent of hell, and um, and I just was having trouble getting like a last. I, I think I just needed to get like one more gold challenge completed in order to get that get that orb, and I was having trouble doing that. But so that one wasn't really grabbing me. I did try previously Mortal Shell um, on the Steam Deck, which runs pretty well. But, and this was before I got, 
got back into Dark Souls, so I just, I wasn't planning on sticking with that one anyway. I just wanted to try it out briefly. Um, and played a little bit of Super Mario Galaxy 2, um, but that's another one where I just wasn't really, like, I wasn't quite feeling it, you know? And then I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll try Dying Light. That's, that's a game that I haven't played in a while, and, um, I, it's a game that I enjoyed when I was first playing it, but I was having a hard time getting in, or, you know, like, I just hadn't really gotten back into it, so I, I gave it a try for a little bit, and I was, I was struggling with that one, too. And the main reason I was struggling with it is just because I was basically constantly running into, like, big hordes of zombies, and I didn't feel like I could handle them, and the reality is I just couldn't handle them very well. And... I don't know, I was just, I was just having a really hard time figuring out what I wanted to do. And so I asked s some people, you know, okay, you know, what, what do you think I should do? You know, giving these different ideas of how I could potentially get myself out of this funk. And, um, one of the things that I, I came to was, you know, like, originally I thought, okay, well, Dying Light, maybe I just need to start over. Start over so that I can get, re-familiarize myself with the controls and everything else. And, um, I wasn't entirely sure whether or not that was a good idea, because I didn't want to delete my save, because I, you know, played enough to where it's like, I, I don't really want to redo everything. But I did want to go back to when there's less difficult zombies to deal with, so that it's just a little bit easier to ease myself into it and then get into the groove of things. And, um... Ultimately, what I ended up settling on was I decided first I would just look at, like, the Switch eShop. See if I see anything that, like, grabs my attention. Something cheap, you know, something on sale that maybe I'm interested in checking out or, you know, grabbing it for a comparison video. They had a collection that had Dying Light and Call of War as Gunslinger. 1079 for the two games. Which was a great deal. It's like, I mean, you if you buy Dying Light on its own, it was 50 bucks. But you could get the two games for 1079. And it's like, okay, Call of War, as I've never played, I've been interested in at least checking it out sometime. Um, and it was, I mean, it's like basically I'm paying a little over $5 a game. And that's exactly the kind of sale I was looking for. So I grabbed that. And I ended up also grabbing Call of War as on GOG for three bucks. Which was great, too. <laughs> so, um, I decided to just start... I Well, I realized then, in going into Dying Light on the Steam Deck, that I actually could make an, a separate save file so that I didn't have to restart my game entirely. Just create a new save file so that I can do a comparison between the two games. Um, between the Switch version and the Steam Deck version. And I think that was the ticket. That's what I needed. Um, because I, you know, I started playing the Switch version. Of course, a little bit I'm struggling with some of the controls more just because I'm, like, trying to remember where I'm supposed to go at the very beginning with a couple of things, uh, particularly with some of the early parkour stuff. And, but then, then when I figured it out, I was like, okay, okay, I got this. This, yeah, I can do this. And then I, you know, start playing it on the Steam Deck with the new game and, Obviously, you know, looks and runs better. I forgot to actually bring up the gameplay for this. Um, but I... I just... Um, 
sorry, my brain's not working. I was able to get enough of a handle on remembering how the controls work and everything to where it gave me the confidence I needed to go back into my original save. So I went back into my original save, and that's basically the only thing I've been playing the past couple days. Um, I, I ended up looking up like some some tips online for things to you know help new players, and one of the things they pointed out, which I don't know why I never thought of this, and it probably would have helped me get back to the game a lot earlier, is basically thinking of the ground where the zombies are as lava. And if you think of the floor as lava and you do your best to stay off the ground, you're going to have a much better time because then you're not going to have to worry as much about getting overwhelmed. I mean, there will still be times where you have to be on the ground, of course, but if you can stay on top of buildings more often, you're not going to be encountering nearly as many zombies and it's just much easier to stay alive and um, to enjoy, you know, the things that are that are best about the game, which things like I, I like park, I like the parkour stuff. I like the collectibles. I like, um, you know, building up skill trees and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, that's just what I've been doing. I've I've been I've been playing that. I haven't done any of the, haven't gone back into the story at all. But I did like take advantage of one of the tips that someone gave for like a good spot to farm experience points for one of your main skill trees and it's like a super simple thing it's just going into like this um this empty market where it's um it's it's a quarantine zone where there's supposed to be a bunch of zombies but they're all the actual zombies in that area are locked behind a door in the back of the of the store and there's a ton of them back there but some of the things you need to collect in that quarantine area. Um, there's three out of five of the things you need are all in the main part where all you have to deal with is initially um, getting across, um, basically jumping on top of shelves in order to get to the back of the store so you can shut off the power so that it stops electrifying, electrifying the floor. And you can farm those three boxes and then you leave the area and come back and, and turn around and come back in you can just keep farming that over and over and uh, each one of those once you turn them into uh, the quartermaster which is like basically a, a guy who requisitions supplies and that sort of thing back at the main base once you turn those into them each one of those is worth a bunch of experience for that particular skill tree so I've mostly been the past couple days just farming that over and over so that I can fill out that skill tree, which will open up a new skill tree that gives me access to like the higher tier versions of those skills. And it also just makes it so the game's easier. You can get um, a grappling hook that makes it much easier to get around the environment and such. Um, and yeah, it's just, I went from really just not being sure what I wanted to play to being like, okay, this is what I want to play. I'll probably still uh, boot up Sea of Stars some more um, for the times that I'm not playing this because I do want to keep playing that one. I think it was just 
it was a combination of not having something I could play while we have a TV show going on because we we like to do TV you know a lot of the nights that we spend hanging out just the two of us you know we'll we'll put on a TV show in the background that we're um, that we can listen to we don't have to pay close attention to that you know we, we've mm-hmm. seen before like right now we're going through Wonder Years which we're just about done with um, so we've already you know gone through that in the past and having a game like that that I can do more mindless tasks but it can still be fun and you'll be open world without necessarily being um, like that litter uh, that vomit of icons everywhere to complete and just like okay that's nice plus I really like the parkour stuff like I'm a huge fan of Mirror's Edge Catalyst and in reality probably if I thought of bringing that one up I could have and I would have probably just played through the rest of the story on there because I've played through it before I loved it then and it's one that also performs well on the Steam Deck, so it would be fun. But I'm glad I decided to play Dying Light, and I'm definitely planning to stick with that as my main game for a while. <laughs> I don't think there's any chance of me getting all the achievements, because I'm pretty sure the the demands for that are crazy. But I will definitely uh, at least play through to my satisfaction, which will probably be like, checking everything off the list to where it says I have 100% completion um, you know, on the main game. And that's good enough for me. But we'll we'll see how long I stick with that. I mean, at least right now like, I'm I'm having a really good time with it and I'm definitely planning to to keep working at it and keep enjoying myself. So. But yeah, I talked about that a whole lot. It's just kind of been one of those weeks and Dying Light was what I needed to get out of the funk so alright you got anything else before we start getting into news Uh, no sir alright so I think um, I mean we're we're definitely going to be talking about the PlayStation State of Play that aired this afternoon Um, but I think that before we get into that let's talk about the other pieces of because the PlayStation 1 is going to take up definitely the most of our time since there's a bunch of games they showed off today. So let's start off with the big rumor surrounding the Nintendo Switch 2. That rumor being that it is going to release this year, which you know we'd already heard that before, not surprising. Um, but also that, not that it's surprising at all, because it's rumor we've heard previously, but basically it's been confirmed by, um, I think it's Takashi Mochizuki with, uh, is he with, no, not with Walls. I don't remember which, which publication he's with. Do you remember? For some reason I'm blanking. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say Bloomberg because I feel that's wrong. No, Bloomberg is, is, uh, Jason, uh, what's his face? Uh, Jason Trier. Um... Gosh, I can't remember which one he's with. Anyway, Takashi Mojizuki, most people will know who he is, who's, who's, uh, I'm pretty sure it was him. It was either him or Sir Kantoto. I'm pretty sure it was him. <laughs> anyway, point is, it's a guy who's, who's been an industry insider for a while, and he's oftentimes gotten that information. I mean, he is, he is a journalist as well, so, uh, but he, he tends to get information ahead of time, and he said that it is going to be releasing this year and that it's going to be an 8 inch LCD screen so 
before I get into my thoughts on this, I want to hear what you have to say. Well, the first thing uh, I guess I will say compliment is that it's pretty neat that it is an 8-inch screen. It's definitely a whole lot larger than... Granted, I have not seen and I heard that the... Uh, the second, the revision, the version two switch, and especially the OLED switch, uh, OLED switch screens were larger than the original one. I have the original model one version, so my, so I don't know if like I thought I heard the newer ones were had a larger screens. Just the just, OLED, the OLED okay, with a larger screen. Okay, but um, I definitely think that it's a nice idea. I mean, <laughs> I've been playing a little bit of the of Betchwood Prime on tabletop mode. And yeah, I definitely would appreciate it if the screen was larger than it is. So I do like that aspect. As far as having it be LCD, I think I know why Nintendo, if, if it's true, I think I understand why Nintendo's doing it. So that way people buy it and then they release an uh, OLED version later on. Yep. And people buy that one. And I'm like, why not just out of the gate just launch with an OLED screen um I, I mean if Pete I think that they've clearly created a demand for it and people will buy it so why not do it and just go right ahead and do it if not for the fact that they just want to have people double dip um that's definitely what it seems like to me I mean I, I'm not necessarily going to I'm not trying to just you know just defend this company or say anything like this but i feel mm. like when valve releases the steam deck 2 i think they're I'm, i feel like they will just go ahead and put out an oled version yeah uh, i mean they already essentially made oled the standard now yep. uh for the steam deck so i feel like they would do that with the next iteration i could be wrong i feel like that's where they're standing right now and i feel like nintendo you know shouldn't be doing that because people like the oled you know, people loved it, uh, so why, why revert? <laughs> I mean, it's, if you're creating a standard, don't, or if, or if you're getting, or sort of creating that standard, don't just backpedal now. That's ridiculous. But like I said, the one thing I do like is that it, it's an eight-inch screen. You know, that's it's 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 a good size. Right. Yep. And I mean, what it really comes down to is it's obvious that they just want people to buy more switches that's really all it is and um you know the fact of the matter is that last that with the switch gen i bought three different switches because i bought one at launch and then i bought a v2 switch but the only reason i did that was because um w was specifically because of the fact that i needed to get a second switch so my wife would have one for animal crossing because I knew that she was going to want to spend a bunch of time playing that, and the only way that she would have... I mean, the only way that I could keep it from not being my Switch anymore <laughs> is to, to <laughs> go ahead and buy a second one. So I bought the V2. And then the OLED Switch, I waited quite a bit longer, because I waited about... Let's see, what was that? that was a little over a year that I waited on the OLED Switch. Initially, I wasn't planning on getting one, even though I love OLED screens. Mostly just because it's like, I just bought the V2, and... Um, I mean, I, I guess I guess it was a bit more of a gap than that. But either way, I just I couldn't justify in my mind buying a third Switch. 
because I didn't need it. I mean, like, there was no purpose behind it. And then, you know, the following year, I just decided, well, you know, I, I once I had had some on some hands-on time with the OLED one in, like, a Best Buy, I was like, you know, I really would love to get that OLED, but I need a good reason to be able to do it because I don't <laughs> want to have a third Switch. So... I, I knew that my uh, my brother-in-law had, had been considering in the past, he and my sister had been considering getting a Switch for their kids, because they never had, their kids hadn't had video games yet before. And they'd been going back and forth on it a lot, and so I just asked him, hey, you know, I'm thinking of upgrading my Switch, and if you guys are interested, I'd be willing to sell you my V2 Switch, which is you know still a really good system. Um, sell it to you for a lot cheaper than you would buy it brand new and as long as it uh, you know is still technically my switch you know it's it's still under my account they would have access to my digital library which means that they would have access to a bunch of games they would have to buy much of anything I mean you know they if they wanted to buy additional games they could but from a digital standpoint like I could just install the ones that I know are kid friendly and then um, you know, they would never have to buy. I mean, there's a lot of games they would never have to buy. So they, they would, by default, have like Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, which are things that I knew my nephews really wanted to play. And, um, you know, they they were on board. So I sold the Switch. I, I don't remember exactly how much I sold it to them for, but, you know, it was, it was much cheaper than it would have been for them to buy a new one. And it contributed towards the cost of me getting the OLED and... Now I don't want to go back because, I mean, the LCD is fine. Like it's it still looks nice and everything, but the OLED is so much better. And I mean, like now that you've seen, you know, the, the difference between the Steam Deck and the Steam Deck OLED, you at least have some idea of what I'm talking about uh, with the, with the yeah. Switch. And so I'm not going to fall for that again. And it's just because, like, I'm I'm. I have multiple OLED handhelds now. I'm mean, the the only thing that I have that I still like play that isn't an OLED for handhelds is my 3DS. And that one I don't need it to be an OLED because they never made an OLED one. They're never going to. So it's like whatever, that's fine. It is what it is. It has a 3D. I love I am one of those few crazy people who loves the 3D effect and will use it in every game that I have the option to use it because I think it's fantastic. Um, I think it makes those games look so much better than they look without it. Um, but anyway, so I think that what Nintendo's trying to do in this situation is at minimum, they're going to do the LCD model this year. And then next year they'll do the OLED or two years from now they'll do the OLED. Maybe actually it could even be longer because the OLED was... So it was 2017 the base model came out, and then 2021 that the OLED model came out. So, several years. Um, I don't know if they'll go that long in between. I'm not sure if they think that they can, but I honestly would not be surprised in the least if they do the same thing that they would switch. They'll do the base model this year, and then in two years they'll do an slightly upgraded you know basically the v2 where it's it's almost the same it just got better battery life because you know technology's improved and then 
two years after that, or a year after that, whatever it is, they'll put out the, the OLED model. And I'm not falling for it. <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that I bought three Switches because of, well, really just because of the OLED. Um, there's also the fact that I bought, you know, the base Steam Deck, which I don't have any regrets having bought, but then I bought the OLED the following year because I really wanted that OLED. And I, I don't regret buying it, but I definitely lost money on it. Um, so, as far as I'm concerned, I'm waiting until they do an OLED model for the Switch 2. When they do an OLED model, I will probably buy it day one. More likely than not. Unless Nintendo uh, starts putting their games on PC, in which case then maybe I won't buy it. But... <laughs> I, I don't see that ever happening because yeah because you know that's Nintendo makes so much money keeping their games exclusive and I don't see them changing that I mean it's not impossible because Microsoft and PlayStation have you know Microsoft and Sony have both done it even if it's not day and date yet with PlayStation but um, yet at least it'll happen eventually I, i'm still sure i still believe it's going to happen because they said that xbox wasn't going to be day and date and then it be, ended up being day and day uh, nintendo marches to the beat of their own drum though, well, well no i don't i don't think nintendo is going to do it i'm i'm saying that it's not impossible it's i think they're the least likely to do it because they'd rather sell us underpowered hardware with a with a gimmick of some kind i mean i i do think that the switch is the best gimmick they've done without question um even if hd rumble is kind of like eh but you know having a hybrid console is the best thing they've done and it also pushed forward that type of gaming considerably in terms of um making it something that more companies wanted to do because i i firmly believe that even though nintendo wasn't the first to do you know a portable PC basically um, they're the first ones to really make it popular and they're the reason why the Steam Deck exists they're the reason and then the Steam Deck is the reason why all these other competitors are coming out because yes there were portable PCs before that handheld PCs but they were all really expensive and underpowered and you know Valve just really pushed it forward but I think that the Switch paved the way for that to be more of a thing. And anyway, so Switch 2, I'm waiting. And we'll see when they reveal it if I if my will remains that strong, but I think it will because <laughs> I the fact that I've held off I held off buying a PS5 even though there are definitely games on there that I would love to play. I I think I've just gotten to a point where I've realized I have so many options right now and i really do not like being tied to playing something on a con on a regular console or even just i mean like i will play games just on my pc but the fact that i the fact that i can also play those games on a portable device makes it so much easier to justify the purchases in my mind because i'm not tied to a single spot whereas with my consoles, my PS4 and my PS3, I have to be plugged into a TV. And even though I technically can stream from my PS4 to my Steam Deck, 
it's just not a great experience half the time. And it's just not worth it compared to having something natively playing the games. So, anyway. That's, I think that's all I have to say. I, I, I could go on and on, but I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have any other thoughts about this Switch 2 situation? No, no, I, I just agree with everything you said. I mean, I, I do hope to see it because I'm, I'm excited to see what, what Nintendo has to do. Like, I just, I don't, like, the, the whole reason why, why the Switch was so appealing before was because I was so much more the kind of person where playing games on a portable device was better for me. It's just so much easier um, to be able to continue my progress and obviously switch wasn't the first one to do it you know i'd been doing it on handhelds in general for a long time and that's why i love handhelds but the switch was the first like technically console to do that and it's more powerful than the wii u which was nintendo's last console and i liked the wii u even though the wii u definitely had its issues and i can look back now and see how much i wish that the wii u had been the switch even though i did sometimes try to treat it like a switch i I there were times where I took my Wii U with when I wasn't driving, I would have my <laughs> Wii U plugged in in the car and would be playing on the gamepad. I I did that multiple times. I did that in the airport. I did that on the plane. I I I took advantage of that and it worked fine. I mean, like it 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 worked well. But the Switch is still so much better than the Wii U was because it because the Switch is what the Wii U would have been if Nintendo had been able to pull it off technologically for the price. But anyway. Mm. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's move on. So, Xbox has just laid off a bunch of people. Which, you know, the layoffs... We're not talking about layoffs in general because the reality is it's just happened in a lot. There's been a ton of layoffs already even just this year, which is... Super sad, but unfortunately, it's just the way things are right now. But what is relevant about this is that uh, Xbox has seemingly su shut down their physical games division. So I have some thoughts on this, uh, but I want to hear what you have to say on, on the matter. This is something that I partially see as concerning, uh, just because... While it's still just a rumor, if it is true, there's little reason as to why something... I mean, I know some, some people have said the reason why they're doing this is because they could want to, say, outsource physical production mm -hmm. to another company, uh, something that's a lot cheaper. But at the same time, to shut down a main, a primary division that's centered around physical production is, isn't exactly... Uh, a good omen, uh, to say the least. I mean, and I guess it feels more so of consoles now starting to slowly become more digital. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not exactly the future that we would have seen coming, uh, like going back to, say, 6th gen with the PS2 and the mm -hmm. X original Xbox and saying, oh yeah, we're just going to buy these games, not thinking way down the road of sometime the companies are going to like pull that ability away and so i see that as a problem especially for game preservation especially for people who 
say buy a console down the road and if it's just a pure digital console well if the servers aren't there they're out of luck um they can't play those games so right. i see that as a huge problem there uh granted and this is something that we've talked about before with um with the ubisoft debacle the fact that uh gamer the gaming the video game uh industry has been more resistant to digital and subscription based services mm -hmm. than any other industry like with films and streaming and right. stuff like that so i'm not saying that fiscal is going to go away just yet and it probably will go on into the next xbox console uh, i mean granted it's only been what three years since the current generation launch wow it's been three years already yeah. <laughs> but uh but so i'm not gonna say it's gonna go away next generation but i feel like there is definitely going to be that shift to where physical is maybe not even gonna be offered um which is really concerned which is really sad because for one thing one pc yes it's all completely digital and you do have the threat of games being delisted in fact recently there was a game I I just happened to see called um, Spec Ops: The Line. Yeah, that's that's it, and that was delisted from virtually every store. Um, first, it was on just on Steam. Then I saw it was pulled off of Xbox uh, Xbox Store. Then I saw later on it was actually pulled off of GOG, and I was like, wow, that that that's incredible. And the fact that that can happen anytime and Granted, the news of this also has sort of caused prices of physical games to, like, of the physical copy to go up dramatically. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, if you have a future that's just like that, and there's no way for people to get the copies, on PC, you could, you know, find a copy in a, in a special way, but you don't have that ability on consoles. So, right. that's really the big problem that i see here so i don't see this as a good thing if they are completely shutting down physical and also for one thing anyone who bought if they really are just completely doing it all together and getting rid of physical right now and shutting it down for people who bought a physical series x that means they would you know not be able to buy anymore granted you know whatever plans they have are probably still going to go on through if they have for example say uh Elder Scrolls 6 that's going to simply say hey we're gonna put out physical copies of this those plans will probably still go on because that's something they've already worked on something they've already put money into and invested I feel like games that have already been invested in for making physical copies will probably still go on but after that though that's who knows what's gonna happen there especially also if any games they have they only made a set number of copies they're not going to make any more copies of those either that's what I am probably guessing if it actually is completely shut down, but I definitely do not see this as a good thing. Um, you definitely need those physical copies. So I, I definitely would say I agree with you. I don't think it's a good thing that they're doing this. Um, I think the outsourcing thing is very likely. Uh, however, I would also say that although it's very likely that's what they're doing initially, because it will definitely cut costs it's probably more just like, okay, we're going to do this until we get to the point where we can actually phase out physical and pirate. So 
basically they're seeing it as this is an opportunity for us to cut costs on something that doesn't sell super well because i think that xbox i mean i don't know the actual stats and i haven't i haven't looked into this but i'm pretty sure xbox the sales of games it's digital is much higher than their physical and so probably they're getting to a point where they're spending a lot more money to produce these physical copies especially in like north america and they're getting to a point where these games are just not selling well enough because they already didn't sell that well anyway. And then on top of that, you know, a lot of people, they'll go for Game Pass instead because they'd rather just pay the monthly fee rather than buying a bunch of games and, you know, to each his own, I suppose, even if that's not what I want to do with my money. But um, I think that it's very likely that this is how they're, they're figuring they can produce physical copies a lot cheaper if they outsource them to another country um, and in doing so they'll end up saving themselves ultimately a lot of money which then they can either invest into other things like Game Pass or um, they can just simply use this as a means to slowly exit out of the physical games uh, part of things and then you know then they make significantly more money because they're doing everything physical now, what I will say is that although I don't like the idea of Xbox getting rid of physical altogether and forcing everyone to go all digital, the plus side, at least for now, is that Xbox still allows digital copies of their games to be sold by third-party sellers. So it's they don't they don't have a monopoly even if they do go all digital, at least not currently. People can buy buy their games from a bunch of different retailers, no problem. Whereas Sony and PlayStation, you cannot buy their digital games anywhere except for their store. And so once they stop doing physical games, which I think is harder because of the fact that, especially since they're a Japanese company and physical games are still huge in Japan, they definitely are not in a position where they can do it as easily, but if they do, there's, you know, they can, they can do whatever they want with the prices because they'll be the only place that sells it. And I know that um, there was what that lawsuit pretty recently. I think it was over in Europe, where Sony was being sued because of the fact that basically their their practice was being seen as a monopoly because the only place you can buy their digital games is through their store. You can't buy them anywhere else anymore. So. I'm I'm really like obviously I don't think this is a good thing. I'm less concerned about Microsoft doing it than I would be about Sony doing it. Um and something that I do want to point out, if there's anyone who's like all you know, who's like primarily a console gamer or console fanboy for that matter, and thinking, well, PC's all digital. The big difference between PC and consoles though is that PC's an open platform. You can buy the games from a bunch of different vendors. It's not just limited to, you can't just buy through Steam. You know, there's Epic Games, there's Ubisoft, there's Origin, there's Battle.net, there's, um, yeah, you can buy it from, you can buy PC game keys from thousands, literally thousands of vendors. So there's still competition all across the board. And yes, obviously some are going to make far more money than others. I mean, Steam is the market leader 
without question. I mean, you know, that's the reason why places like like EA and Ubisoft have started putting their games back on Steam. And um, I think, you know, Epic hasn't really done that yet. Um, of course, you have the the Battle.net stuff. The Blizz- All the Blizzard games are now either already completely over on Steam or at least m- slowly making their way over. But, I mean, you have Overwatch 2 and you have Diablo 4 both on Steam. And, you know, those are their two biggest, most recent games. Um, and, you know, there's there's definitely... Obviously, so Steam is, the like, the number one marketplace for games, but it's not the only place. There's lots of other places you can get stuff. I mean, Green Man Gaming, we talk about them quite a bit because they're a great place to go. GOG is a great place where you can get games that are DRM-free. Um, obviously, I mean, there is technically sailing the the high seas but we don't really promote that as as the thing to do unless it's the only option you have to get a game um but you know there's a whole lot of different ways on pc that you can buy a game versus other situations now i will say also uh with spec ops the line it's been theorized and i think this is probably the case they're probably just going to be releasing a remaster and or a remaster or a remake, probably a remaster. So they're delisting the other ones that people are forced to buy the more expensive <laughs> version instead of doing that. So it's not exactly good, but at least theoretically the game's not completely gone. Theoretically, we'll see what happens. I I okay. I, I can't imagine that they're not releasing a remaster though, because anytime they can get people to spend more money on a game instead of buying, you know the original game and spending a couple dollars on it spending 40 50 60 dollars or god forbid 70 dollars <laughs> to buy it um or you know doing like uh like uh rocksteady is doing and charging you a hundred dollars for an online only game that's less than 10 hours <laughs> long and <laughs> and uh doesn't even work the first couple days because of them having to shut down servers after they discover a glitch that makes it so that the second you start up the game, you're already in the end game. It's just like, uh... We're not gonna get into all that nonsense. Maybe we'll talk about that some other time, but... Point being... All this... All this stuff, we'll just... I... I I don't know. It doesn't matter. We'll see what happens with all this, um... Obviously, we, we know that at some point there is going to be a refresh of the Series X, and it's going to be a dig- all-digital version. And I don't know... I'm not sure if their plan is, at least initially, to make it so that you have this all-digital version, and then they s- completely phase out the version that still takes discs, or if it's more like we're adding this additional option so people can have the more powerful Xbox, but people who want all digital can have it all digital with a larger uh ssd which i'm pretty sure that's what it was i think that i think that the adorably all digital uh version of the series x is supposed to be like two terabytes or something which is is better i mean you know with the size of games now that's probably like yeah 10 games <laughs> 10 games at best I, oh i'm sorry no not 10 games what am i saying not 10 games it would be like probably like five games or something i don't know anyway the point is is that it wouldn't be very much um 
with as game as bloated as games have gotten. But yeah. So any other thoughts on this Xbox stuff? No, no. Though uh, you did make a good point, though, that I didn't think about about uh, them possibly making a remake or a remaster as to why they delisted it. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Why let people just play the original game and and mod it and make it look better? You know, we'll just release a remaster that doesn't look as good, or you know, that doesn't look as good as all the mods and stuff, and charge you a bunch more extra money for it. But if they're gonna if they're going to re-release the game, they might as well they better at least do a remake. You know, at least make the game look significantly better and make it worth the upgrade instead of it being uh, just tacking on a bare bones, um, what you call it, uh, roguelike mode that that is extremely basic and charging you ten dollars for for something that is uh not as good as what you could, what you got from the free updates from other games like God of War Ragnarok. Anyway. <laughs> Throwing enough shade there. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of God of War Ragnarok and uh, alternatively the uh, not worth the money remasters, let's talk about the PlayStation State of Play that we had today. So there was a bunch of games shown off. Uh, most of which we already knew were coming. I'm not going to list all of them out right here, but we can kind of just talk about the ones that specifically stood out to us. So why don't you go ahead and and uh, tell me, tell me like uh, first game that really stood out to you. Well, first game that stood out to me, and partially just because I honestly did not pay much attention to this game, apart from the mild controversy that surrounded it, which even introduced me to the idea well introduced me to the game itself because i never heard of it before was stellar blade and primarily just uh just because of the combat and style which we looked at today mm -hmm. and looking at because as you mentioned during your live stream it initially we're thinking about it was like a bayonetta clone or something like that bayonetta mm -hmm. type of game but looking at it it was more like a near type and mm -hmm. i really enjoyed near automata um i thought that was a great game it's definitely one of my top 10 games so seeing that type of gameplay uh, really just really, really looked appealing to me. It's something that I would like to get back into um, just because it, it was it, I liked it. I thought it was a good game. So like seeing more of that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I guess like another game that stood out. I mean, Grant's some, something we already knew about, um, but just because seeing more footage of it, which partially makes me just upset because of stuff surrounding the company, but Dragon's Dogma 2 just it looks great. Um, I definitely like I, I definitely like some of the revisions in that game that stood out. So that was another game that really just went oomph for me. Okay, yeah. Um, so I I do want to say you know a couple things about oh started starting with uh, Stellar Blade as well since you had already mentioned that so. Stellar Blade, um, like like you mentioned, I I definitely agree that the gameplay is much more reminiscent of Near Automata than I initially thought when I when I first saw the game, um, and I I'm very glad that they didn't go the route that I had 
jokingly said they were going with it and uh, you know turn her into an obese woman <laughs> obese single mother who's strong independent woman don't need no man um, like visually I think it, it looks beautiful and the fact that it's 60 frames per second um, at least from the gameplay they showed which they did say was captured on PS5 it's very good that they made that the standard expectation. I, I have a feeling that this is a game that's not even going to have a Fidelity mode, mostly because it's not a game that was made, um, you know, like by a, a traditional developer necessarily. Like, uh, it seems like 60 frames per second is just what they want it to be. And I think that that's really, really good. Um, I, I like pretty much everything I saw about the game. One of the things I appreciate personally um, is that while it doesn't look like they did the censorship that people would be afraid of them doing and people who you know don't want these things to be censored and understandably so I appreciated the fact that they actually had a wide variety of different outfits for the main character because I am a person who prefers to not have something where um, where the character is overly sexualized and it's not like I, I don't necessarily want localizers to ruin the artistic vision, but I also know that that's the kind of thing that can just be distracting to me personally, you know, like from a moral standpoint. Um, I know that that's something that would make it more difficult for me to be able to play the game without feeling like it, this is going to be a stumbling block for me, to put it, to put it that way. Um... But yeah, I think the gameplay looks really, really good. Um, the visuals are great. The fact that it's 60 frames, at least, um, you know, w whether that's just a mode or if that's the default, I think is great because that needs to be the standard. That's what every game should be doing, and more games need to be doing that. They need to be focusing on optimizing their games to look and run as best as humanly possible on every platform where they release it. So... There is very much that. And I'll also say, um, Near Automata, I have not finished. I bought it on Switch, um, mostly because of the fact that, number one, it had like pretty much just come out when I bought it, and it's one I had previously said I wanted on Switch uh, before Steam Deck was a thing. And so I wanted to like basically show my support from that standpoint, you know, vote with my wallet that this is the kind of thing I was looking for, and... I appreciate the fact that they did it. Um, and it's only 30 frames on on Switch, but I still enjoyed what I played. And um, Oh yeah, also at the time, it was cheaper on Switch than it was on PC. So it's cheaper for a physical cartridge on Switch than it was to buy the digital version on Steam. And so I just decided to go for the Switch version and... Although I really want to get it on Steam because it will look and run so much better. I also am not sure I want to start over from scratch. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. But I, I definitely want to do a comparison at some point. That would be fun. Fun one to do. So, I'll probably just like wait until I have a little bit of extra cash flow and um, it's on sale on Steam. And then maybe grab it. Anyway... Um, and then as far as um, Dragon's Dogma 2, so I agree with you that it looks 
fantastic. Um, you know, visually, gameplay-wise, I think all of that just looks really, really good. But the fact that it's targeting 30 frames per second on consoles, especially with the the RE engine, which has been... I mean, they've, they've shown that this engine is incredibly well well made and not only do you know does it look incredible even on you know something like the switch with monster hunter rise they've been able to get their games running so much better than this and yeah obviously this game has definitely a lot more going on in general but still it's just disappointing and then on top of that the fact that this game also is only giving you a single save file for, for the game, so if you are someone who wants to try out a different uh, character build or anything else, you have to, you and, well, also, and autosaves will overwrite that single save file. So you can't have multiple saves, you can't make multiple characters unless you want to lose the progress you've already made in the game. And uh, I've heard it theorized that they're going to end up uh, charging you for additional save files make it DLC to get additional save files, which is stupid. But yeah, I it, it is a shame that this game looks so good and that they're just making really bad decisions. So. Well, I, I will say this, though, um, in partial defense, if they do actually do the DLC for additional save files, that's complete garbage. But I will say, though, the first game actually did only have one save file that you did and you play completely through the game and if you want to start a new game it would overwrite the initial save. Mm. Additionally, if the game does what the first game did, um, you can also change your your build type within That's the game. True. You can choose whichever one you want. Um, you have to go to the whole main hotel or like you have to go to a special area to change mm -hmm. it. But you can change it if you want to try something else. Yeah. Um, especially if you want to also adjust the type of build you're using. So even so, so I don't see that necessarily as a bad thing. It's really just okay. doing the same thing that the first game did. So fair enough. I, I think that it's fine in that regard. But still, charging you for additional saves—that's that's what Konami did. And yeah, ugh. yeah, I'm not down with that part though. Yeah. But um, moving on to other games that stood out. Uh, one of those uh, I'm just going to kind of talk about briefly, and that's Helldivers 2. So I, I've actually been, since the first time I saw this, I actually thought it looked pretty fun. Um, it's definitely not a game that I would ever spend $70 on, um, especially because it's a co-op game, and there's only so much opportunity I have to play co-op games. I'm, I believe that there's also potentially... Um, you might be able to play with just bots on your team, but I'm not entirely sure. They do say in the trailer that you have to have online access, and, you know, on PlayStation, of course, you have to have a PS Plus membership, whereas PC you don't, PC Master Race. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I think, you know, at least in terms of the type of gameplay, it, it does look like it would just be fun. Like, I, I think I would have a lot of fun with this kind of game, just a mindless fun to, you know, hang out with with people and, and shoot monsters and all this other stuff. So, I don't know. I, I thought it looks... I, I think it looks cool. And, of course, it's, you know, day one PC 
in addition to PS5, so if I was going to buy it, obviously it would be PS5. I'm definitely not going to buy it day one, though. I'll probably just wait for a good, significant discount. And just as a side note, speaking of significant discounts, I've been very seriously considering grabbing, if it's still on sale anyway, um, what's it called? Um, that zom that PlayStation zombie game, uh, Days Gone. Like, it's, it's something that I wasn't really that interested in before, but, I mean... 10, 10 something for for the PC version on GOG. Kind of tempting. I mean, it's cheap enough. I've, I've considered it. I, I do want to say, I think it's really funny because, you know, I, I've seen PlayStation fanboys saying, oh, well, you know, these games will never drop. Never drop that. Low. <laughs> you know, they're never going to drop to under $20. Because like, I, I had said that the one thing that would convince me to maybe buy Last of Us Part 1 on PC, at least, you know, once it's fixed, which I think it's fixed now. Um, would be if it uh, dropped to like below $20 and it would probably actually have to drop lower than that but um, you know now you have like Days Gone and Horizon Zero Dawn both around the $10 mark um, and yeah that's that's just during a sale but the fact that they've dropped that low even if they are you know older games still just I think it's hilarious and um, it it does make me kind of tempted to check out Days Gone. I might do it at some point. I don't know if I'm going to grab it right now. The sale might even aren't going for at this point. But I've definitely looked at it and I considered it when I was grabbing uh, Call of War's Gunslinger the other day. Since that was three bucks. Three bucks. I mean, come on. Three bucks and basically five bucks on Switch. It's like perfect kind of sale. That's, that's my kind of price. I will happily take a very very cheap game even if i don't end up playing it all that much and the reality is like both uh dying light and call of war as gunslinger there is almost no chance that i'm actually going to play them on switch like really play them but it was cheap and it gives me more content for my channel which gives me the chance to build it up and as far as i can tell at least from the poll i've done so far people are definitely interested in seeing the dying light comparison so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I saw that. And I was like, yeah. I want to see Dying Light comparison. Yeah, I mean, Dying Light actually looks pretty decent on Switch. Now, it's definitely very blurry compared to the Steam Deck version. But really, like, if you start with this with playing it on the Switch and you don't have a Steam Deck, you don't actually see the comparison. I think it's reasonably playable. Yes, it's thirty frames per second, but if Switch is your only option, I think it's totally reasonable to play it there and if if i didn't have a steam deck i probably would play it on switch instead um but i do have the steam deck and it i can get it to run at 60 on steam deck pretty consistently so it's like i'm playing it on steam deck obviously plus i also already have progress in the steam version so uh but anyway going back to the game shown at the state of play uh the next thing that really stood out to me was uh, Rise of Ronin or Rise of the Ronin, oh. whatever it's called. Um, I think that game it looks fantastic. Ever since I saw it the first time, I was very interested in it. I I like these samurai style games, and the fact that it's not uh, presumably not Sekiro levels of difficult definitely <laughs> helps my motivation to be checking this one out. Because I mean Sekiro, like I I've been super interested in that, but Souls-like games, 
It's just, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard for me to convince myself until I, like, really, until I actually conquer a Souls game, it's hard to be motivated to check out these other ones. Yeah, and, and I forgot about that game, but that game also really just stood out to me, and I'm hoping that is a game that we get ported to PC within a year. Um, right. Just because that game really looks good. Getting another combat-wise, uh, even if it's not difficulty-wise, Sekiro, like, ooh, that's, that's, that, that, I, yeah. I need more of that. Inject that into my veins right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that it ends up being something... I mean, I think PlayStation is publishing it, but they're not the ones creating the game, so I'm hoping that that will mean that there will be a shorter window between the time that it comes out on PS5 and the time that it comes to PC, because I, I will definitely be interested in checking that out, assuming it's a good PC port. And the other thing about that one that I really like is that it's 60 frames by default. Um, at least, well, at least as far as what the trailer showed. The trailer was all in 60 frames per second. So, I I love the fact that that, was, that appears to be the default, because that's what it should be. Especially for a Koei Tecmo game, you know, because those mm -hmm. are tend to be more fast-paced anyway. And, you know, with the exception of, like, Hyrule Warriors, where it was 30, but that was, you know, Wii U and the 3DS, which I do have the 3DS version, and I played it a little bit. Um... But yeah. Oh, that reminds me of something I, I want to say that's actually pretty funny um, that I noticed. So the the trailer for um, Dragon's Dogma Two. I'm not a hundred percent positive if it was if it's act. I didn't look at it closely enough to where I noticed whether or not it was 60 frames per second um, in the actual presentation, and I don't think it was. But the trailer you can download on YouTube or at least that you can view on YouTube, goes up to 60 frames per second. And the console version isn't even going to have a 60 frames per second option. So if it if it was, in fact, 60, <laughs> that was the PC version that they were showing, which is hilarious to me. But anyway. Um, before I get into the Kojima ones, uh, were there any, <laughs> others, <laughs> any others that stood out to you? Uh oh well actually there was the one game they showed which was a uh, Bloodborne Rem No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um Oh man, I, I feel like there was one more game that actually stood out to me, but like at, off the top of my head, I can't recall, which really irks me right now because I do feel like there is something else that we haven't mentioned that I was interested in, but I'll have to come back to that. Uh, just because I can't remember right now. Okay. Well, um, one of the ones that definitely stood out to me was Judas, uh, which is from uh, Ken Levine, creator of Bioshock. And uh, this one I, I was already interested in before, as soon as I found out he was making another game, because I love all three of the Bioshock games. Um, yeah, well, I guess he only did he only did one and in Infinite. And those are the best ones, in my opinion, so... But I, I enjoy all three of them, and so it's like, you already had me sold on that. And then I once I saw the gameplay with the actual, like, Bioshock-like gunplay and powers, it's like, yes, please, thank you. And of course, I also know it's a PC game as well, which is important because it needs to be on PC. Um, 
I'm super interested in this one. I can't remember if they said what the whether there was a release date for it. I'll have to. The trailer's just about over that is playing right now, so I'll have to double check on that. But um, either way, I'm I'm pretty much sold on it. I just hope it's a good port because as long as it's a good port, then I'll definitely be grabbing it. Actually, now that I think about it, no, this is not the end of the trailer. But yeah, just the gameplay looks really good. I I have been obsessed with that style of gameplay ever since I played the first Bioshock, and um, anytime I can get another game like that, I want it. Very, very much so. Because it's just fun. And, uh, yeah. So, Judas. Very, very interested in that. Uh, have you played any of the Bioshock games? I haven't, although I do have Bioshock 1 uh, and Bioshock Infinite uh, on GOG. I bought those on sale. Those are in my backlog, but I have not touched them yet. Um, but I have heard that they are excellent games. Um, mm -hmm. I've definitely heard good things about them. I don't know why I only got one in Infinite but didn't get two, but... Uh, yeah, that, that's just the way that was. But I, I, I have been made to give those games a try. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely recommend that if, whenever you actually get around to playing them, assuming you do, um, actually playing those first, those two before you play two. Uh, the main reason I say that is because um, that way you're not just spending a ton of time in Rapture, because the first and second game for Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2 even though they're they're connected technically Bioshock 2 is created by a different developer um, I can't remember which one did that one versus the first game so th there's, there's differences from that standpoint but also I think you just might get a little burnt out on being in the city of Rapture which is where 1 and 2 take place and 2 is not like something where it's it's not like a direct sequel like it, it is a sequel it takes place after but it's different characters and stuff so you won't really miss anything by not doing that and um also because uh infinite has uh dlc included probably in, in the version you got most likely that um of course is after the main game of infinite that connects it back to bioshock one so okay. it's it's very cool to play those back to back and then after that if you still want more like me then you play two and I, my opinion is that one is my favorite overall I think it has the best balance of everything story um, gameplay all of that but it definitely it probably has the weakest combat of the three infinite in my opinion has the best story um, even if some some aspects of the story have kind of become tropes since then to a degree, I still think it has a really good story. I really like the story. Um, and it is it has really, you know, really improved combat as well. But I think 2, in my opinion, has the best combat of the 3. And the thing with 2 also that I have to recommend is that if you play 2, play the DLC after you play it. Because the DLC is better than the main game. But, or at least I should say, story-wise, it's better than the main game. the The main game has, I, they they both have this about the same equal in terms of the quality of the gameplay. But uh, 
the the story itself I think is better in the DLC for two than it is for the main game of two. But yeah, they're all really good games. They're not long, not long at all. I mean, you could, I would say like fifteen ish hours is pretty pretty much what how long it takes to get through the campaign of each game. If you do all the, the side like um, finding all the collectibles and audio logs and stuff, then it will definitely take you longer. But it's not anything egregious. It's not like a super long game, and it's just. They're really solid games. I really love those games. And, I mean, I loved them so much that... Um, so, those ones, I played all three of them on my laptop in 2013. And then I played um, all three of them again on Switch when they came out for Switch. And, um, I mean, the Switch ones, unfortunately, don't have Gyro, which is disappointing. But they looked, they looked good, you know, for handheld games. That's another... Those are other ones I'm going to do comparisons of, by the way. I am doing all three of those. Uh, I just don't know when. <laughs> it's like my, my long list of games to compare. Thankfully, I have plenty of content to keep my channel going for a long time and hopefully continue to have growth. And hopefully, more of them will tend on the side of having the 1,000 plus views than the 300 views that I've gotten for Borderlands 2, which is much, much lower than the other ones. It's like... <laughs> Oh, it's funny. Um, I know I'm getting sidetracked. So the the most recent one I did of Final Fantasy X HD, like the first first day, I think I got like maybe 130 some odd views, and then like in a single day, it shot up to 1,200 views. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's quite the jump in that short of a time. Usually, it's more like, okay, you know, there'll be a, a steady build up, and then you know, towards the end of the first week, you know, some of these I'll get up to 2,000 views. And, you know, some, in some cases more over time, but like this one, it was just like a single day, whoop, huge, <laughs> huge jump. So that was cool. That made me glad because I was, I was a little afraid after Borderlands 2 just didn't do nearly as well that I might end up with more of that. But it seems like I think people are more interested in like the bigger, newer games than they are in like the older games. So anyway, going back to the PlayStation State of Play. Oh. Um, one, one, one quick question I actually do have is mm -hmm. um, regarding Borderlands. So, mm -hmm. just in case something happens or some weird thing happened, do you have any recommendation if I should play the remastered version or the original version? Because when I bought Bioshock mm -hmm. Remastered 1 on GOG, it gave me both the remastered version and the original version. Play the remaster. So the okay. Yeah, because the main thing that the remaster does is it fixes, it makes the controls better. Uh, the original version, the way it was set up, at least with mouse and keyboard, was you to switch to, uh, I mean, that you had to, like, press the, you had to right-click in order to switch between weapons and, um, and your powers. So, so basically, it's like every time you wanted to switch between them, you had to hit the right-click button. It wasn't like, okay, one does one, one button does one thing and the other does the other thing. You had to actually press the plus right click in order to switch between the two and like i got used to it after a bit the first time playing through it but it's so much better that in the remaster they set it up so that you just automatically have you have your guns on on your left hand and or you know, on one hand and then your or on one, one clicker is, is your gun the other clicker is is your powers so you can you know when you're doing like combos between the two you're not having to press the button twice in order to do it and then 
because it was like okay you're, you're pressing a button to switch between the two and then you're having to keep using the same clicker for each thing so you're left clicking to, to shoot your gun then right clicking to switch to your power and then left clicking again to, to shoot your power whereas now it's like you can you left click to shoot your gun you right click to use your power simple as that so and and it's the same thing with the controls so I don't know if the original button controls had that problem or not because I didn't play it that way but the remaster does have it the best way so okay yeah thanks all right so um I think that was all I wanted to cover other than the Kojima stuff so anything else before we talk our two Kojima announcements uh, just one quick thing that mm-hmm. I did re- recall and it's not necessarily a new game but just something that I'm interested in just because something I've been ha- I had my eye on for a, a while mm-hmm. and that was V Rising and only real reason I'm interested I that was noteworthy to me was because PlayStation typically doesn't release games that are in early access or anything like that on their mm-hmm. console. So because it says 2024 is the release date, I'm wondering if that actually is going to be the full version of the game coming out because the game has been in early access for quite some time mm-hmm. and I've had my eye on it and I'm, it has been on sale, but I wasn't going to jump, uh, wasn't going to bite the bullet until the full version came out. So that was very intriguing to me to see so that's something that i thought was noteworthy yeah i i I think that game looks pretty cool um but i mean i i like i like the style the um you know top-down action rpg um dungeon crawler whatever you want to call it i i like those those styles of games so yeah i think that one looks cool but of course i also you know still have four Diablo games, or no, three three of my four Diablo games that I've never finished, so I'm not gonna <laughs> grab another one of those style of games when I, when I have Diablo games that I'm, I'm happy to play whenever I actually am in the mood to play them. So. But, getting into the Kojima stuff, so, first of all, we have Death Stranding 2, which I better make sure I actually press the right button here. Um, yes, okay. So, Death Stranding 2. I still have not played the first Death Stranding, so I'm de- I'm nowhere near ready to play Death Stranding 2, which is good because it doesn't come out till 2025. Um, but it looks as strange and I have no idea what's going on as the first Death Stranding did. Um, but because of how much I ended up loving the Metal Gear Solid games, I'm fully on board for checking this one out and probably even when it releases assuming it comes to pc right away which i don't know for sure if it will or not my guess is it would be at most a year because that's what happened with the first game um but either way it's definitely like uh it's very weird just like the first death stranding was especially the the weird like hands that get, uses a face mask and stuff with that yeah. one character. that's just <laughs> bizarre but it's like okay yeah but this is also kojima we're talking about so and it's it's really it's about as weird as what we already saw with the first death stranding so anyway 
I'm I'm definitely interested. I just need to play the first game before I get into that, and I don't know when I'm going to. I just know that it's it's going to happen probably this year, especially after you know spending a bunch of time playing Metal Gear Solid last year and uh, becoming a Kojima fanboy. <laughs> hey, did you have any thoughts on that one? It, it definitely seems interesting. I've seen a little bit of gameplay just because or I've seen I've seen a little bit of gameplay and stuff of the first game just because a friend of mine he was live streaming it, so I was watching it at that time. Um, some stuff I'm interested in seeing how how it's how it's continuing from the first game because mm -hmm. i saw some stuff in the trailer and i thought huh that's interesting i wonder what's going on here <laughs> or stuff like that um so so it is going to be interesting with that i haven't played death stranding i'm really curious because i feel like i'll get the game if it happens to come across over to GLG just because of the fact that I've been doing that with quite a few Sony games where I haven't mm -hmm. bought them on Steam but I just happened to end up buying them on GLG and in fact I even saw today that God of War uh, remaster is coming over soon sometime they have that coming soon on the page on the front page so I was like oh that's interesting but um if it does come over to GLG I'll probably get it and maybe eventually play it um mm. I so I am interested. I am interested in seeing what happens with the story, though, because, like I said, seeing a couple things happen in the trailer in the trailer and just remembering stuff that I had seen from the live stream, this made me think. Wait a second, how's that <laughs> going on? But yeah, yeah. One th one thing I will say about this is that I'm I'm especially excited about it because of how well optimized these games have been on PC. I mean, Death Stranding and, you know, uh, uh, both parts of Metal Gear Solid V slash 5. Um, just the fact that they ran so, so well and still looked so, so good. And Death Stranding, I don't know that it runs at 60 on the Steam Deck, but even, I, I'm pretty sure it can run at 40. And, I mean, that first game looks pretty much, I mean, I, from what I can tell, Death Stranding 2 looks very similar graphically to Death Stranding 1. I mean, it's definitely a little bit of a step up, but it's not so dramatic to where I feel like it's, I mean, it's definitely diminishing returns, you know, but um, like it's, uh, it's very much a situation where I'm looking forward to seeing how well this game runs because Kojima really seems to care a lot about making these games run well and just I I was so so very impressed with with Phantom Pain and Ground Zeroes and just how well they ran and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Death Stranding 2. Not that I'm necessarily expecting it to run well in the Steam Deck but I'm hoping that they will try to optimize the PC version to where it can run on the Steam Deck even if we're stuck with 30 frames, which obviously I wouldn't want that, but I could also see them doing enough to make it run significantly better. And um, as I referenced in, in my intro earlier, of course the fact that we had you know, Troy Baker returning and 
um, you know, for one looking like somewhere like a cross between Joker and Marilyn Manson, maybe <laughs> and have, yielding a guitar as a weapon that first shoots like lightning bolts out and then gets used as an actual axe. I mean, it's just like, okay, this is so Kojima. And at the same time, it's like, this is, this is Troy Baker being Troy Baker. Cause Troy Baker is a weird dude. He is very eccentric, but he's also extremely talented. Not just as a voice actor, but as a musician, as a singer. I mean, this guy's got immense talent. And, um, you know, he's just, he's really good at what he does. So I, I know he was in the first game, but I, you know, have yet to play the first game. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what all they do with that. And yeah. Um, so, so interesting thing about uh, Troy Baker, um, you know, the podcast I've mentioned to you, Married to the Games. Uh, Gabe Patillo, who was uh, a member of Toby Mac for over 20 years, and um, he—I mean—he just recently uh, left because he was able to switch over a voiceover uh, thing that he had been doing more as a, a hobby slash part-time thing into a full-time gig. He's actually making enough money to be able to do that, but he—he um, he got a chance to interview Troy Baker several years ago and i mean it was very interesting hearing him but it's definitely one of those situations where while i don't think troy baker's a bad guy necessarily he's just extremely eccentric and has some very weird beliefs as someone who who would call himself a christian um or at least indicated something along those lines i don't know like i said he, he he's, he's just kind of a, he's a weird dude but also an extremely talented weird dude and you know makes sense so anyway any other thoughts on that before we go into the last kojima thing here no sir all right so there was a surprise today something that i was not expecting and was a very good surprise but also at the same time has me a little worried and that is that kojima came out and revealed that with the help of PlayStation Studios, he is going to be returning to making an action, uh, what was, I'm sorry, what's the word? Uh, action espionage? Action espionage, that's the word I was looking for, espionage game. So in other words, he's making his own new type of Metal Gear Solid game, uh, because obviously he can't use Metal Gear Solid because that's owned by Konami, um, and this is going to be after they're done with Death Stranding 2. But, oh man, I, I'm excited. Oh man, <laughs> I after after playing all those Metal Gear Solid games and seeing the how great the gameplay was in Phantom Pain and Ground Zeroes, I'm just like, I am so on board. This is like, yes please, <laughs> day one, yes please and thank you. But my worry. <laughs> Is that it's going to be PlayStation exclusive on day one, and that PC is not going to get it for two years. And I mean, like I can wait. I've I've done plenty of waiting on PC. It's not like it's going to kill me. Um, and it could very well end up being a similar thing like with Death Stranding, where it's only a year gap, and that's much easier to wait. But 
right now, basically from what they're saying, it's sounding like it would probably be like 2026, 2027. Actually, no, probably like 2028 before we actually get Kojima's a new game. And by that point, I would not be surprised if PlayStation games are coming to PC day and date. So, but of course, then the question remains, is this actually going to be a considered a quote unquote first party PlayStation game to where it would be more likely to get the long gap or would it just be because it's a Kojima Productions game? Basically, PlayStation's helping them get it funded in the first place and then like Death Stranding, it will come to PC a year later or six months or whatever it was. I have to re- I have to look that up again because I don't remember how long of a gap was. I know it was a year or less. At least I'm pretty sure that's what it was for Death Stranding. So, but yeah, I am so on board, so completely on board. But the only way that I would get this on PS5 is if someone gave me a PS5. That is the only way because I have no plans no intention to buy a PS5. Even if someone offered to sell me one for a hundred bucks, I don't think I would buy it. I think I'd probably say, no, that's okay. I don't really need one. And it's not because I don't think it's a quality system. I mean, for, for, for a PlayStation, it is a quality system, but it's just, I don't want any more plastic boxes that I, I'm just, I'm tired of collecting plastic boxes and buying a game once on PlayStation and then, or, you know, once on the console and then buying it again later on PC because I want it, you know, better performance and everything else. I'll just I'll stick to PC. PC and Steam Deck and and play my my existing games on Switch and 3DS and Vita and you know, whatever games I decide to emulate beyond that. So I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this Kojima game, what what are your thoughts? I it definitely is a, it definitely is a, a curveball because I mean, only thing that we really knew was just uh, Death Stranding two, and um, I can't remember the name of the title, but the Xbox game that Kojima is doing. But you know, to have a third game being mm-hmm. worked on, and it's sort of returning to Kojima's roots, um, that's pretty good. And I'm very interested in seeing uh, what Kojima's going to do with that. I, I almost feel like maybe he'll even slightly tease Metal Gear just because he sort of did that with the um, Death Stranding remaster where he had um, where he had Norman Reese's character just like hiding in a box during like one of the trailers. And so I feel like maybe he might even just maybe in his own Kojima way, throw a little shade at Konami. Oh, yeah. but definitely. But, Guaranteed. But, yeah, but it's definitely interesting. It's definitely, you know, really neat for people who have been long-term Metal Gear fans to get that mm-hmm. Metal Gear back again because, you know, I mean, granted, they're doing the 3 remake, but I was going to say, Konami certainly isn't doing it, but unless it's Pachinko, most likely, but yeah. they're bringing back the 3 remake remake um but it's something that people have wanted though for a long time and so it's great to even have the original person at the helm giving that same experience yeah for sure and you know i i could 
almost see him bringing back David Hayter, but at the same time, you know, David Hayter also got left out for for Metal Gear Solid Five, and got replaced with Kiefer Sutherland, which... I mean, technically there could be... I mean, you could consider it story reasons why they did that, and <laughs> it's not the first time that Big Boss had a different voice actor, but still just... I don't know. Anyway, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe he'll he'll be able to bring back David Hayter in some way, because David Hayter is still Snake. So. But anyway. Um... Any other final thoughts related to the state of play? No, no. I thought that was pretty, pretty informative stuff that they showed today. Um, they did say that something's happening on February something-ish, the 16th. Oh yes, or something like yes. That? They're they're doing the um, the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, like a, a detailed okay. gameplay thing, which is good. Um, I'm not going to be watching it because I don't really need to see anymore. I'm completely sold on the game already. So it's like, yeah, technically it wouldn't necessarily be a spoiler for me because I know the story of Final Fantasy VII. But at the same time, because they're doing some things just different enough, I still just kind of want to go into it as blind as possible and just fully enjoy it and remember that it's, you know, a sequel to Advent Children and that it's... At least that's that's my opinion. Whether or not that ends up being the actual case, um, but I yeah I, I don't need to see anymore. I'm I'm already sold, and I'm just I'm just waiting for the PC version. I'm hoping that that actually comes out in that three month window, and I really hope it also comes to Xbox along with remake for Xbox fans. So that way. They can finally play those games as well, and then PlayStation fanboys can cry <laughs> and cope and seethe because they will be coping and they'll start moving the goalposts and everything else. But it's just fun and funny. So, all right. Well, recommendations and dissuasions. All right. So my recommendation, which is something that I wish I had remembered to do last week, and that is to uh, consider going to the library to borrow movies and uh, TV shows. That's something that, uh, something that you know, you wouldn't think about doing. You normally go to the library and think about, oh, books. Well, mm -hmm. you can borrow DVDs and, and shows and stuff like that. And that's something that I've done before, uh, especially if there's something that I had been maybe considering, but I wouldn't, wasn't necessarily feeling like, shelling out $11 to go buy a ticket to see a movie. <laughs> um, and granted, that's something I did with uh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and even then, I felt like I was robbed. Uh, but uh, but that's something you definitely should consider doing, especially if you're saying, eh, I don't know if I want to see this movie or not. Uh, you can go check it out for free, and you're good to go. Um, you can do that with TV shows as well. Granted, depending on your library, local branch, you may or may not have the show you're looking for, but I mm. definitely, at least with my library, there's a wide selection of movies that I can check out, so that's good. And um, another thing, and this really applies for console gamers, um, that at least my library is doing it. Uh, you can even check out some video games as well. Mm -hmm. um, I remember 
way back. <laughs> I did that when they started doing it with uh, GameCube games. I definitely did it then. Um, now, of course, they have, you know, Xbox Series and PlayStation 5 and Nintendo Switch. And I haven't checked out any of those games, but, you know, those are still options if you want to, you know, at least try a game out um, without necessarily having to buy a game or subscribe to a service. So that's my recommendation. It's a good recommendation. I might have to check that out for some of the Switch games I want to compare so that maybe I don't have to go buy mm-hmm. copies and just wait for a sale. I'll have to do that. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> Definitely keep that in mind. Um, I mean, I don't know how much luck I'll have, but I'll certainly check because it's like, hey, save myself some money. Because there's not much point in buying the Switch versions of games that I'm not actually going to play on the Switch if I can help it. So I'll have to keep my eyes peeled, but I haven't. I I can't remember the last time I've been to a library. Probably, I guess it probably would have been when I lived in Alaska, and even then, I think the the only times I really went to the library were either to vote, because that was where we voted for you know, the main elections, or when I donated a bunch of stuff right before we moved because I just had stuff I needed to get rid of. I donated a bunch of manga that used to, that was my younger sister's that she didn't want and I didn't want to keep, so I just donated it. <laughs> Rather than trying to sell it, because it's like it was too much of a hassle to try to sell it. Um, anyway. Um, what was I going to say related to what you just said? Um, I don't know. It'll probably come back to me, but my recommendation is actually the movie The Shawshank Redemption. Um, If you've never seen that before, it is a fantastic movie. It came out about 30 years ago, a little over 30 years ago. Uh, Morgan Freeman, Tim Robbins. um, uh, It's basically just about a guy who uh, gets sent to prison, and this is back in in 1947, and he gets gets sent to prison uh, after... Uh, being convicted for murdering his wife after finding her cheating on him uh, with another man. And, um, I mean, it, it basically implies from, from the very beginning that he's, that he's innocent and that he was, that he was essentially framed. Um, and I won't get into like the details with that, but it's a really, really fantastic movie. It holds up extremely well. And if you've never seen it, definitely watch it even if it's just renting it oh that reminds me that was what i was gonna bring up um have you ever done riff tracks with any movies any current movies i have not do you know what riff tracks is i've heard of it maybe once or twice but i don't know too many okay too much so so do you have any familiarity with mystery science theater 3000 yes are you too okay so Rift Tracks is basically a modern version of that with some of the same people who did Mystery Science Theater 3000 back in the day. So you have um, uh, for some reason I can't remember their names. Um, but anyway, it's it's three guys who were originally part of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Two of them did Voices of the Robots and then one of them um, was was one of the guys who, who did one of the human characters who did commentary and riff tracks is they they record those things for modern movies and i mean this can be stuff from the 90s this can be stuff from the 2000s this includes most of the star wars movies 
um, the Lord of the Rings movies, a whole <laughs> variety of different stuff. I don't think they were ever able to do Rise of Skywalker, unfortunately, because that would be the one way I would watch it is with Rift Tracks. Uh, but thankfully, unlike how it was when they first started doing it, now you can get a Rift Tracks app on your phone, and what it will do is um, you can't you, you just you set your phone down or tablet or what have you and it will use your microphone so that it syncs up their um, their commentary with the movie to where it you know it plays it along with it in in the way that you would expect it to so that uh, you get all the great hilarious jokes making fun of these movies and you definitely should check it out especially <laughs> for the Lord of the Rings movies um, I can't remember if they did it for the extended versions. I think they only did it for the theatrical versions. But, oh man, it's so, so funny. So, so funny. Um, I mean, most of the Star Wars ones are really good, too. At least uh, one through six. Um, because I can't... I, I feel like they did do Force Awakens and Last Jedi, but I don't remember they did those or not i'd have to check and check on my app and see if i have those because i i know if they did at my bottom um it's like typically like five or six dollars for one of the rift tracks but it's totally worth it um and if you have if you need recommendations on good ones i mean obviously lord of the rings and um and and the first six star wars movies are the best ones I probably need to get the ones for the Harry Potter movies, though, because I haven't done those ones yet. Those ones would be great, too. But these the, <laughs> these are fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Totally worth your time. So that's a secondary recommendation based off of yours. <laughs> All right. Dissuasions. All right. So my dissuasion is do not buy Suicide Squad... Uh, kill the justice league uh i've i've i haven't been looking for it but i just happened to see stuff about the game uh pop up just certain just clips of the game uh especially related to the story um yeah it's 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 no just just don't and on top of that it's a buggy game already uh it's already got problems they've rocksteady has already you know uh, had to, you know, pull the game. You can't play it. They they did come back and give people who bought the uh, early access version twenty dollars in game, but I still feel like no, just no. They should just refund the difference. Yeah, refund the difference. Like oh my goodness, and that game, not counting the early access one hundred dollar version, that's seventy dollars. Yeah, for a for, for a live service game that you know is gonna require being online and I even saw some comparison just like a just just graphical comparison of, between Arkham Knight and Suicide Squad and looking at the clip I saw Arkham Knight looked better <laughs> a game that is over 10 years old and it's on Unreal Engine 3. Yep. Uh, looks better than Suicide Squad. So that's my dissuasion. Do not buy Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. 
Very good one. Alright, um... Shoot, I had my dissuasion, and I'm spacing on what it was, because I forgot to write it down. Um... I guess my dissuasion is going to be... Uh... Do not... Uh, I don't know. I, I probably just need to think about it, but let me let me look at my my inspirations around me and see if I can come up with something. Um, do not drink Folgers coffee. <laughs> um, if if you are if you have to go for pre ground coffee, which I don't even think you should do that anyway, as I previously recommended to grind your own coffee, but. If you are going to get pre-ground coffee, don't get folders, don't get the store brands, at least get something that's better. I mean, even Starbucks is better than that, and Starbucks isn't very good, but it's it's significantly better than folders. Folders is basically just brown refuse water, essentially is what it is. It's disgusting. It's horrible. And once you start drinking the real stuff, you won't want to go back because it's just so, so bad. Okay, so that's my dissuasion. Don't drink folders. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else before we close out for the night? No, sir. No, sir. All right, so where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on my channel. I am Zericon. That is I-A-M-X-E-R-A-C-O-N, so youtube.com forward slash at IamZericon. Um, earlier this week, I put out a video giving my pretty much initial impressions after playing 15 hours since the Power World, so giving more thoughts about how I feel about the game after playing that time, stuff I feel the game could improve upon as it moves forward through development, uh, that what I'd like to see. I'm not entirely certain just because still busy with some stuff if I'll really have anything coming out over this weekend so it might be sometime maybe around mid next week when I put out a new video alright well you can find me on youtube.com slash at the frozen gamer 87 um, I have just recently put out a video comparing the Nintendo Switch OLED to the Vita OLED versions of Final Fantasy X HD Remaster. Uh, fantastic game, of course, and the comparison is pretty cool to see the differences because visually they're actually really, really close. Like, it's it's hardly different. It's only really just, I think the shadows are a bit darker on the Switch version, and I think there's, well, it's just, I think there's just more shadows in general. Um, but both look great. Vita screen I think is a little brighter sound is definitely better on the Switch version but it's just you know bigger speakers newer system all that but either way we're checking out doing pretty well so far next one I'm going to be putting up uh, should be dropping Sunday afternoon will be Dying Light Definitive Edition uh, for both the Switch OLED and the Steam Deck OLED and that'll be another interesting comparison to check out so Please check those out. Um, additionally, you can check out my cooking channel. Uh, that's youtube.com slash at N-A-B-D cooking. That's not authentic, but delicious. Uh, I just recently put out recipes for homemade bacon. 
as well as homemade avocado oil mayonnaise, uh, which, you know, unlike the normal mayonnaise that you buy in the store, has significantly better ingredients, doesn't have any of these artificially made oils. It's, it's literally just eggs, avocado oil, vinegar, Dijon mustard, and salt. That's all there is in it, and it is so much better than what you get in the store. It's cheaper than buying pre-made avocado oil, and it tastes better, too. You know, the pre-made stuff is usually pretty good. At least as long as you get the stuff that's actually just uses avocado oil and not, like, avocado and canola oil or soybean oil or whatever else. Where it's really, like, just a small portion of it that's actually avocado oil. But anyway, uh, I have both of those. And then um, next Monday I have a recipe for grilled chicken coming up. And then Wednesday of next week there will be a recipe for homemade pizza dough, which features my lovely bride... Uh, actually being the one to present not only uh, the introduction and the outro, but also uh, the entire recipe, because she's the one who always makes it. So, gonna be great. Good stuff. Plenty more coming. Um, and, yeah, so there's all that. Uh, last chance. Anything else you got? No, sir. All right. So, until next time, I am the Frozen Gamer 87 that is I am Zeracon. We are the Orange Box Podcast. And if you are going to be a fanboy, which I don't recommend, please do not, for the love of God, ever be like Harmon Smith. Orange Box Podcast out. Out.